You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you covering what can only be described as a wild week one in the National Football League. It is all in the books now that the Ravens lost in an overtime thriller to the Raiders, one of a couple of overtime thrillers this week. Rich Hill, I know this is a Patriots podcast. I know it's a Patriots-Dolphins game to break down. I know Mac Jones looked good, and there's a lot of things to be excited about, but I know where to start with this week, man. It's just nuts. Oh, seriously, you look around the league, and can I just say, it's so nice to have real football back, football that matters in a season that feels wonderful to support and watch. And I mean, honestly, could not have started any better with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and our old friend Rob Gronkowski looking like their vintage selves. Tom Brady was as good as he's ever been. So was Gronk with a last second come from behind victory over the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I to me, I feel like that just represents that this is going to be a great season. All the stars are back where they needed to be, but they're all aligned. Uh, the Bills lost, which was lovely to see. Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> played well. Uh, we got to see the, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes have another come from behind victory where the, they were just looked down out against the Browns. Alec, as you're looking around the league, which games caught your eyes this week? I think the game that blew me away the most, besides the, the Ravens Raiders, just because of just the way it finished the goal line interception, the the great catching. Why did the Patriots not draft Hunter Renfro? I kept thinking about that, but um, <laughs> You know, what a wild finish between the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Browns took them to the wire, and, and they probably should have won that game if not for some last-minute punting shenanigans that Patrick Mahomes, of course, capitalized on. Now, so that's one of them. The other one was a very surprising, in my personal opinion, result between the Bills and the Steelers. I did not see the Steelers being able to pull out uh, that game against Buffalo. Most folks have Buffalo as a potential Super Bowl candidate for the AFC, and the Steelers are kind of on the downside of their quote-unquote rain, whatever that may be. But uh, go for the Steelers, took out the Bills, and it's good for the Patriots. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, to me, watching that game, I, the Bills just didn't look very good. Uh, their offense did not look anything like what it was last year. It kind of looked more similar to the year before, where Josh Allen could make a few like big home run plays, but there wasn't the consistency that you would normally see uh, that, that they provided last year. Uh, and so they're going to need a little bit more out of that offense if they're going to actually compete this year. I know they gave Josh Allen his huge contract, so he really needs to, to step up and show that he can provide that consistency that he didn't do. Uh, but I agree, that one stood out to me. A few other games that really... Uh, caught my eye the titans getting blown out of the water by the arizona cardinals 38 13 the titans were a dark horse in the in the the afc and they just looked bad uh chandler jones had five sacks against uh, the titans and their big money left tackle uh taylor lewin and so the the titans just did not look the part at all uh but another team that just did not look the part the green bay packers the saints absolutely crushed them 38 to 3 Aaron Rodgers looked checked out he didn't look like he even wanted to be there the Saints uh you know Jameis Winston is their quarterback now Drew Brees on the the kind of on the broadcast was joking around how uh Jameis Winston was providing the element that the Saints had been missing the past few years uh and he, he was doing that joyfully so good to see that he had that sense of humor but the Rodgers and the Packers looked like you know as you said it's early in the year but they looked like they have no shot at doing anything this year 
No, look, I mean, obviously it's week one. It's week one of 18, which makes week one even less important than the 17-week schedule with the bye week. So I don't know. I'm, I'm never one to really subscribe to overreaction Monday. But, yeah, I mean, look, if this was the, the Patriots in the Tom Brady era getting blown out 38-3 to and the body language and his, the, the narratives – this week around Tom Brady, his body language, how he hates his coach would be off the wall, <laughs> especially given the offseason Aaron Rodgers had about being vocally unhappy with the Packers. I mean, this is just an interesting thing to play. Again, I, I'm, I'm not really worried about it. I think the Packers are going to be OK. And again, it's never one to overreact too much. But yeah, I did not see a, a 33 shellacking uh, of the of the Green Bay Packers. I really didn't. There really weren't that many games, Rich, that, that I thought when expected. I feel like this had the most underdog wins in my my recent memory. Yeah, and even the underdog games, uh, they were still like competitive. You know, I wasn't expecting Washington to be able to hold their own against the Chargers, and you know they lost 2016, but that was after Fitzpatrick was suffered, uh, you know, an injury that placed him on the injured reserve pretty early on, and so Taylor Henke had to go lead them. And so that is a team that didn't do well. The Panthers, they beat the Jets with Sam Darnold. Loved seeing how he performed. That's exactly what we talked about on our last podcast. Was loving to have him have a strong outing. Uh, so that was good to see. The Bengals beat the Vikings. That was a kind of a bit of surprise. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles annihilated the Falcons 32-6, to which was shocking. Uh, but one game that I wanted to talk about because this was my prediction from last week or kind of just my, my thought was about Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams and how Stafford was in the perfect situation with the Rams. And the Rams beat the Chicago Bears led by our old friend Andy Dalton. 34 to 14 and now Matthew Stafford has the top passer rating in the entire league over 300 passing yards three touchdowns no interceptions he's just looked beautiful out there did a really great job definitely there were some blown coverages that he'd benefit from but Stafford looks like he's in a very good situation for him to reach his full potential it's an interesting argument, Rich. There's always this debate about, you know, what makes a quarterback elite? Is it is it him? Is it where he's drafted, his weapons, his surrounding cast, whatever? It's always thought in a combination of both. It may just reinforce the theory that the Detroit Lions are doomed to never win anything. Because <laughs> if Matt Stafford – I mean, it's not like Matt Stafford had this massive, epic, huge upgrade in Los Angeles over Detroit. It's not like the teams are so night and day. But if he can perform really well – in, in Los Angeles, this could just confirm a lot of theories about the Lions never winning anything. It could be very despondent. I like the Lions. I was a Lions fan growing up. I was a big Barry Sanders kid. Um, but yeah, I feel bad for Detroit looking at this. It's like you're, you know, you get you, you get dumped by your girlfriend and you stalk her Instagram and she's dating some guy who's much better looking than you and she's having a lot more fun than she ever had with you. That's the best <laughs> feeling, I imagine. Yeah, totally, totally. And and speaking of quarterbacks being in the right situation in order for them to succeed, I think now's a very good time to talk about the Patriots playing the Dolphins where they lost. Um, but Mac Jones, story of the day, he looked very good. He looked very good. He he looked like he's a top, you know, third of the league quarterback with his potential. Uh, correspond that with the other quarterbacks in the AFC East. Zach Wilson had a very rough initial outing. Josh Allen did not do well, and Tua looked very mediocre despite winning that game. Uh, they currently rank 25th, 26th, and 27th, respectively, in passer rating, uh, where Mac Jones ranks 13th. So, Alec, let's move on to the Patriots versus the Dolphins. What were your first takes on this game? Hi, Rich. My first take on this game is that it was over, and I turned the TV off for a little bit before I started watching the the, the night game, and I could not remember. Actually, I could. I, the last time I felt this good in the wake of a Patriots loss was all the way back in 2001 when the greatest show on turf came to the old 
the old Foxborough Stadium, and the Patriots hauled them to a 24-17 loss. And I was like, that was a great performance by the team. I think I feel good about where they are. I think it was the last game they would lose all season in 2001. It's just a really positive thing. I mean, I think it's, it's very safe to say that the Patriots win that game if one of the two fumbles that the running backs coughed up was held on to. Most longer the, the Damian Harris one, because he hangs on to that. It's at least a field goal with not a lot of time left. In absolutely no reality is this loss on Mac Jones in any capacity. I thought he looked as good as you can look for a rookie making his first NFL start. Oh, totally. I mean, the Patriots were driving. Uh, they, they had eight drives over the course of the day, and they were driving on six of them. They, they got points on four of them, uh, and they were in scoring range on additional two that were fumbled away by the running backs. Uh, and, and so for that reason, like... <laughs> It's definitely not on Mac Jones. It's definitely on just pure execution. I think that the storyline over the past few years, uh, in particular 2019, um, but also a little bit 2020, was that if the players were just able to execute, it's, they would succeed. It's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of execution. And for this case, it was simply not a matter of talent. It was about the execution. And I, I want to start on the offensive side of the ball because I was very impressed by some of the new faces for the Patriots. I thought Nelson Aguilar looked outstanding out there, 72 yards on five catches with a touchdown, including a couple pretty hard catches where he got hit immediately after catching the ball. I thought he did an outstanding job. I really liked the duo of John Smith and Hunter Henry, who combined for eight catches on eight targets for 73 yards. Uh, I, I think that their involvement in the passing game will just continue to increase as they both kind of get a little bit healthier. They were dinged up during the preseason, and as they settle into their roles a little bit, but I think they're going to be pretty big focal points of this offense, and Mac Jones is going to start utilizing them a little bit more. I thought that... This was a very good outing for the new faces on offense. I think that once Trent Brown went down with an injury, the Patriots were a little bit lost on their offensive line because Justin Heron, uh, as well as uh, Durant, the, the one who backed him up in the, the fourth quarter who replaced Heron, did not do as well. It disrupted the flow on that line. Shaq Mason was not as effective with those other tackles next to them. I thought that was a huge reason for any disruption on offense. But I thought that individually, the new places that were asked to elevate or join the Patriots offense did a great job. They did do a great job. And I think one maybe possible hidden bonus of having Trent Brown go down with that calf injury, which isn't serious, which is good to hear. I think it's a mild calf strain. He's day-to-day. I imagine he'll be good to go against the Jets this coming Sunday. Uh, but, you know, and maybe force Mac Jones to step up in the pocket a little more and avoid some pressure, which I think he did beautifully. Uh, there's a, I, I counted six scenarios where there was pressure coming from the outside. He stepped up, made a very – I mean, I'm not making a comparison here in any capacity, but it was a little bit of a Brady-esque kind of shuffle up in the pocket. <laughs> and, and, and he kind of continued to play with like kind of a crossing route. He had that beautiful, beautiful rainbow to James White on third down. Uh, I think they converted, what, six third downs and four of them were, were, were through Mac Jones. Um, it was it was a, a really good thing to see, man. And, and I don't know, like I – what I really particularly like about – this game is while Nelson Aguilar um, it was the leading receiver in terms of yards. Um, five Patriots, four Patriots got yeah four Patriots at least at least five targets yep. or five uh, five catches. So it means he was spreading the ball around a lot more. It's a very easy thing for a rookie quarterback to zero in on his first read and try and force it in there. Or when the first read's not open, he scrambles and takes a sack or whatever. Honestly, man, I'm looking back. The only negative, like definitively negative Mac Jones play I can think of came on the very first drive of the game where he was kind of in the, the 
in a sack position and he tried to lateral it to Jonu Smith and it was like a pretty bad fumble. That was a dumb mistake, but that was pretty much the only thing he did that I can criticize him for. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm going to do so, some live updates here just because I actually was having this conversation with my friend Tim the other day uh, because, you know, my prediction on our last podcast was that if the Patriots and Mac Jones in particular was able to convert four third downs, the Patriots would win this one. Uh, so he made me do my homework to go back to see how I did. Uh, Patriots converted 11 of 16 third downs, which is nuts. Uh, and then wow. Mac, Mac was asked to throw the ball on 13 of those, uh, and he converted seven. He converted seven of 13 third downs, which was huge. That means that he was really stepping up with the opportunities that he was given, and he was delivering. I mean, he did a great job out there. Um, and then you mentioned that four players had five targets. An additional three had three targets with Hunter Henry, Damian Harris, and Kendrick Bourne. And in particular, Harris is someone I wanted to call attention to because those three targets – uh, that means that the Patriots are planning on using him in a way that they never use Sony Michelle, that they never used LeGarrette Blunt, that they never used Stephon Ridley, in a way that he is going to be a true all-around back for this team uh, if he's able to shake off that fumble. And so I, I think from uh, who is there to blame on offense, I mean, I, I just point, chalk this all up to early season rust. And I imagine that this team is going to be worlds different even just four weeks from now, and they'll be able to take on most teams in the league. Completely agree. Now, obviously, on the flip side, this could have been a scenario where Mac Jones came out and played exceptionally well and he drops off. We have seen that before in the past with rookies who come out of the gate swinging. But uh, in terms of if you're going to lose a game, this is how you want to lose. You never want to lose week one to a division opponent, but... Being 0-1 is really not that big a deal. And the Patriots actually aren't that unfamiliar with being 0-1. I feel like every time they start 0-1, they go on some massive run and make a deep playoff run. Credit to the Dolphins. The Dolphins do what they had to do to win. But honestly, Rich, the only times I really saw the Dolphins look good was, unfortunately, uh, the very first drive of the first half and the very first drive of the second half. Other than that, the Patriots kind of stifled them. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, they did a great job making sure that Tua and the passing attack didn't really settle in. Tua completed less than 60% of his passes, uh, which is great. That means that the secondary was doing well. There were a couple broken plays. Devontae Parker had a 30-yard catch. I believe it was in front of Kyle Duggar, potentially, uh, but I think that was a miscommunication between Joe Juan Williams and Kyle Duggar, where Duggar looked up at the at Joe Juan afterwards because I think they handed off the wrong player in the zone. Uh, and then Jalen Waddell had that 30 six yard catch uh and score so yeah i think that the patriots have uh or i guess those were two separate plays but you know he had a 36 yard catch and a score and there wasn't much they could do against that score it was one of those like shovel-esque passes where it's like essentially a run play they just stretched it out to the sideline and so i thought that the patriots without stefan gilmore uh did well you know, you had Joe Juan Williams taking a larger role, and I thought that he played admirably. Uh, J.C. Jackson did a very good job as that number one guy. He definitely got beat a couple times, but, you know, that will happen, and I thought he rebounded well. I think that the run defense did pretty okay. I, I think that they let up a, a few first downs to Jacoby Brissett in that short yardage package that the Dolphins put out there, and I think the Patriots are going to want to fix that. Um, but also, love how Brian Flores did that. I love that use of Jacoby Brissett. I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, and then there was always just Miles Gaskin, who I felt like, despite essentially only – I mean, he only had nine carries for 49 yards. He had one of them for 15 it felt like every time he had the ball, he like broke free for a big one, but that wasn't necessarily the case. So I, I think overall, anytime you can hold an opposing team to 17 points, that's going to be a good game for your defense. And as you said, other than those two longer drives, Patriots kind of had them stifled. 
They most certainly did. I guess the one consistent area they're going to have to work on, I think it will be bolstered with Stephon Gilmore returns in a couple of weeks, but the Patriots got absolutely murdered by the quick slants yep. this past game. A lot of quick slants, and they had no real answer for it. They were playing a little bit off the line to maybe prevent the big play, but they really can't give up those quick slants because a slant pattern, if you can do it well, is an easy six, seven yards, possibly more if the receiver can break out. So that's probably something they're definitely have to address in terms of the actual fundamental X's and O's elements of this game. But, yeah, I mean, look, the big issue last season was they were terrible against the run. 74 yards total rushing as a team is a good thing to have. I mean, usually if you look at the stats, 17 points, 74 yards on the ground, was it 200 yards through the air, 202 yards total, that usually spells a win. And, again, it should have. A fumble is a fumble. It happens. This is not a season ender by any means. I was not as much – I don't know about you if that's opinion, Rich, but I don't think, in my opinion, the Patriots stopped using Ramondre Stevenson because of the fumble – I more felt he is a little bit of a liability in the blitz pickup. I think that's really more why Belichick benched him for James White and Damian Harris. Do you agree? I don't know. I mean, he was definitely not as good in the blitz pickup as the other more experienced players, which is to be understood. Uh, but my thought is, if you're ever putting Brandon Bolton out there for snaps on offense, it's because you're taking someone's playing time away. It's not because Bolton is a better player. Uh, it's because you're benching someone else. Uh, no offense to Bolton. He's just a special teams guy. <laughs> and so the fact that Bolden was getting time out there and Stevenson was not, I think is reflective of the fact that Stevenson fumbled the ball in the preseason and here, and he's going to have to really work on on his ball security if he's going to see that field because Bill Belichick uh, has very little forgiveness for turning the ball over. Uh, and in all honesty, upon reflection and watching that play, Stevenson didn't fumble the ball. He was down before yeah. contact. He didn't go after the ball. He was telling the coaches that he had been down. The There just wasn't, because the ruling on the field was a fumble, they just didn't seem like they, or feel like they had enough to overturn that. But I imagine that the Patriots will say, here, Stevenson, this is a lesson for you. Don't turn the ball over. Have focus more on the ball security. But because it wasn't necessarily just like sloppiness on your part, it was just bad luck, he'll get his opportunity again you know it's not like he was out there holding the ball reaching it over the goal line sort of a thing and a player swapped it away so I, I i think that there will be opportunities for him but i absolutely think he was benched here against the dolphins all right fair enough i also wonder why brandon bolden switches number to 25 i guess we'll maybe may never know he's, he's, uh, he's in 38 for the patriots forever yeah forever i believe now. it's actually uh in honor of his grandfather who wore 25 oh, interesting that's cool i like that uh, good for Brandon Bolden. It's good to see him back. I like Brandon Bolden. Oh, yeah. Bolden. Love both, him. Both in, both in a Brandon Bolden guy. Uh, any particular player? I know you mentioned uh, my personal offensive X Factor in last week's podcast, Nelson Aguilar, as a, as a surprise. Is there any one player you really didn't expect to be talking about on the, this next week that really stood out to you in a good way? Yeah, I mean, on offense, I, I definitely think that uh, Hunter Henry is someone who stood out to me. I, I thought that John o. Smith, we saw him a little bit during the preseason. He performed a little bit well, so I wasn't surprised by the fact that he had five catches for 42 yards. I feel like that's in line with my expectation. I think he's, you know, a 600-yard-ish receiver, probably have like five or six touchdowns because there's a lot to go around. I think Henry had a little bit more questions where he's – coming into this role as a better all-around player, but also hampered with more injuries than Johnny Smith. And so for Henry to come out, have a very solid outing, I think was really nice to see. And I, I think that both the tight ends, but especially Henry, are in line to have bigger roles moving forward. Uh, and so this was just like a very good shake-off-the-rust sort of game for him. Uh, and I expect that he'll take leaps forward, uh, especially gets he'll get to split snaps with Johnny. Yeah, again, I'm very excited for the tight ends. That's going to be a really enjoyable room to be in over the coming 
weeks of, of this season. So one guy, I don't know if he's really a surprise or a shocker. Maybe he's reaffirmed to me what a force he's going to be, especially given this new defensive scheme the Pats are going to run in the coming season. Josh Uche. Oh, man. yeah. Um, I know his only real stat sheet was was that monster sack where that was a one-on-one. I beat my guy. I plowed him over, and I stopped a, a third-down drive. But he is just such a versatile player, such a high-motor guy. He's all over the line. He's disrupting double teams. And I can just see the combination of Matt Judon and Josh Uche really making a massive impact coming down the stretch. Oh, seriously. And you, you loop in Kyle Van Noy, who adds some nice pressure off the edge. Uh, I think that this Patriots second level is going to be so good. Hightower looked mediocre at best. Uh, I, I thought that I, I love the single-digit Bentley. Love that look for these linebackers. Love Judon as a single-digit player, too. I think that's just so much fun to watch. Um, but I do think that uh, Hightower will have to elevate his play to keep up because, honestly, he was the weak link at that next second level because Uche and Judon were lights out good. Van Noy was very, very good. Adrian Phillips was outstanding. I, I think that he's going to have a bigger role because the Patriots uh, really struggled covering the, the running backs out of the backfield. As you noted, uh, the quick slants were available. I'll also note that the Dolphins running backs had seven catches for 51 yards, which is something that they continued to go to in order to convert first downs so adrian phillips came out kind of stifled that with his speed and his ability to both play that heavy linebacker or heavy safety role uh, so i group him in with that linebacker group but hightower is someone who didn't play last year he's 31 uh, he's had a history of injuries uh, he is truly the heart and soul of this defense and so he'll have to definitely elevate his play if this defense is going to really really meet its full potential and it will, Richo. Like I said, it's a loss, but this is as good a loss as you're going to get. The AFC East is still wide open. The Buffalo Bills look mediocre. I'm very curious to see when the Bills and Dolphins play this coming Sunday, how that's going to shake out, because there's a very good chance that the Patriots take care of business. Three of the four teams in this division will be one and one, and we're right back to square one. And uh, I'm very excited about what's going to happen with this team. I'm really, I, I, again, I, I know it's, it sounds like you're kind of sugarcoating it and moral victories don't exist in the NFL and a win <laughs> is a win and a loss is a loss. And that is all true. I don't want to sit here and discredit the Dolphins. Good for Miami. Better team won, I guess. But in terms of the stat sheet and what we can expect to see as fans out of a rookie quarterback, this is a pretty damn good week one, man. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's a long season. There are so many new faces on this team. They're still trying to find their footing. And honestly, just remember, this is how Bill Belichick teams usually start, right? The first four weeks of the season, uh, you know, we'll see how this changes with the extra game. But the initial quarter of the season, Bill Belichick always uses to figure out what do we have? Who do we have? And this is all about figuring out who is going to be the leading roles here. And they're still defining themselves. The second quarter of the season is meant to really establish themselves further. So first quarter, who are we? Second quarter, let's get some polish here. And then the second half of the season is when the Patriots say, all right, this is what we've been good at for the first half of the year. We're going to crank up the dial on all of it and really emphasize all of these points of strength. And so they're still in that discovery phase of who we are and what are we supposed to be doing. And I think that for Mac Jones to have a very solid outing in his initial game, despite coming away with the loss, is really reflective that this team has the ability to really compete in like the second half of the year, but especially for you know years to come. I agree. Again, this is a, a good thing, and I think the Patriots are getting the Jets at a pretty good time. The Jets just lost, as you mentioned, to the Sam Darnold-led Panthers. 
they just lost uh, one of their, their key players on their offensive line. They're going to be kind of a mess. I think it'd be a good chance to rebound in week two. Yeah, totally. And we will break that down on our last our second podcast this week. Uh, but until then, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week one of the NFL season? Honestly, how can you have any final thoughts on it? Because that was a crazy week one. And if it's anything close to what we're going to see for the rest of the season, buckle up, buddy. Awesome. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too. Later, man.